the book of Titus. The book of Titus is where we'll be this morning for a few moments. If you want to begin to turn there. I'm going to do my best to share with you the word of the Lord this morning. Pray for me as I tried to deliver this. I would greatly appreciate it. I've got a book of notes, and we'll see how far that goes. But, uh, and uh, we also covet your prayers. Uh, it's getting ready. We'll be here tonight, and then we will be uh, taking a red-eye flight out tonight. And for the next several days, we're going to travel a whole lot of miles, and we're going to be preaching uh, uh, multiple conferences and we're going to be our schedule continues to grow and it is uh, it's going to be a wonderful week in the Lord however it's, it's going to be very taxing very demanding uh, going to be ministering with uh, uh, some young people as well going to be in two different schools this coming week and uh, so we're praying for the Lord to give us guidance and wisdom concerning that as well as pastors and their wives going to be pouring into them all week so please pray for us as we do that and our team that we're taking with us. Uh, we say thank you in advance for doing so. Today I'm, uh, I'm blessed I was able to do something today. I brought something with me today that has not made it to the platform, I believe, probably since 1971. But today I am going to be using my father's Bible. And can I tell you, it's used today. It's... This is his Bible that he carried in the 60s. And I found it yesterday. I can't say I really found it. My son-in-law, Austin, I have a bunch of books in my garage that I haven't really had the heart to go through. And I let him go through some. And uh, so today, I have the word of the Lord that used to walk to the platform every Sunday morning. So... Please forgive me. I didn't think it would hit me that hard. Maybe I'm getting soft in my old age. But you can still smell him every now and then. So I'm going to do my best to preach the word this morning to make him happy. Is that all right? So, all right. Get, his, get your act together, Ron. So, just come back today. So, Titus chapter number one this morning, we're going to just do what, what we are called to do this morning. If you want to stand for the reading of the word. And I'll tell you why I brought this here in just a little bit, because there's a little thought that I found in it. And I'm going to use it for a statement somewhere in this message, if the Lord will help me. Because it validates what I'm going to try to preach this morning. And it's just like God to bring things into our realm when we need them. So if the Lord would help me for a few moments, I'm going to deal with the things that are wanting. And it's really just a call to order this morning. And uh, maybe some teaching more so than preaching today. But I pray that we'll have a heart to hear. Because can I tell you, God's getting ready to do something in the earth. 
He's getting ready to do something supernaturally in the earth. Before you get too excited about it, let me say this. It's not all going to be shouting and rejoicing. For the remnant, there's going to be a time of celebration. But we're headed for some things in this nation and the nations of the world. And we better have our house in order. So I'm not preaching from a state of anger this morning. I'm not trying to give you a list of do's and don'ts. But I want you to hear the word of the Lord this morning. Because there has never been a more serious time in modern history than presently right now. And there is a, there's a call to the church. Because there's getting ready to be a harvest brought in. But God's not going to bring his harvest to a place that cannot be trusted so we're going to have to make sure that we are trustworthy this morning with that which God's getting ready to do so in Titus chapter number one beginning in verse number four and the following we read these words and to Titus my own son after the common faith grace and mercy and peace from the God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior he says for this cause Come tell your neighbor, say, for this cause, I left thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting, and ordain elders in every city, as I had appointed thee. If any be blameless, and a husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of right or unruly living, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. But he must be a lover of hospitality, a lover of good men, sober, just, holy, and temperate. Holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. Let us go back to verse number five. For this cause left I thee. Can I this morning for a few moments, I want to deal with the subject of the things that are wanting. Dear Heavenly Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your people. We thank you for your worship of you in this house this morning. I thank you for every heart, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's on these grounds today and those that are joining us by way of technology. Lord, I pray for the next few moments there would be no distraction. There would be no interference of us hearing what you would have for us to hear today. But Lord, I pray that this vessel would be anointed with the anointing of the Holy Spirit where I would decrease in such a manner that I would not be visible this morning. But Lord, that they would see you and only you and that they would hear and that our lives would be challenged and changed so that we could be found faithful in this hour. And we pray this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. For a few moments today. From this passage of scripture, we're going to look at the charge that was given to Titus. Titus, we know this, he was an early church leader. He was a companion of the apostle Paul. He was a faithful servant of the Lord. Now, I think that one of the things that all of us should strive for is for that statement that we would be a faithful servant of the Lord. Titus, he was a Gentile, and he became the co-worker with Paul. 
And we know this about him. He accompanied him from Antioch to Jerusalem. We also know that Titus was living proof that the rite of circumcision was unnecessary for true salvation. Still rings true today. For whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. We find later that Titus went to Corinth and there he served the church and he served it very well. Titus, we know sometime later, he was rejoined with Paul in Philippi and they gave a good report of what was happening at the church at Corinth. It is believed that Titus actually hand-delivered the epistle of the 2 Corinthians when he went back to the church at Corinth. Several years after that, however, Titus and Paul, they began to travel together. And once again, they find themselves at the island of Crete. There we find that Titus was left behind and he was given the charge that we read today. He simply is giving this charge because he is a faithful servant. He is a man of strength. He's a man of integrity. He's a man that Paul trusted greatly to do one thing, and that is this, to bring order to the areas that had not yet been ordered. Also, to bring and to establish elders in a manner that they could continue on the leading of the church. We find that the last mention of Titus, however, in the Bible indicates that he was with Paul when Paul was in his Roman imprisonment. And it is found that through that time that after he left Rome, he begins to evangelize and he's now in a place that we know called Siberia. I say all of that to say this, Titus was a man of vision. He was a man of integrity, but he was also a man that was willing to do what was necessary for the church to live and to breathe and to be full of life in the manner that God desired for it to be. Throughout the scripture, we see God is one that desires things to be in order. From the wood on the altar that you read of in Old Testament scripture, to the candlestick in the tabernacle, to the table of showbread in the temple, everything was placed in order. It is very clear that he desires things to be in order. I can tell you there's some things in my life that used to not bother me. But now at this stage, I want things in order. It's kind of hard sometimes in the natural when you got two grandbabies and you got a wife that thinks they got to buy everything. Every toy in the world is in my house. And I walk in and I'm like, this isn't my house anymore. It's changed over the last two years. And I have to struggle with that. But that's all right. I, got, I like order. I like my shoes to be where they're supposed to be. Not Jackson having one under my kitchen table, but it's all right. I just deal with that. But order, you know, it's just one of those things that, that some people, they, they, it's enriched in their DNA a whole lot worse than mine. And then others have no order. And uh, can I tell you, there has to be a balance in this thing. And the same thing is true in our spiritual walk. But we know this. It's very clear that he desires for things to be in order. And so with confidence, we can say this morning that God desires our lives to be in order. The psalmist wrote these words for us to be able to digest into our spirit. In Psalms 37, 23 and 24, it says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. 
and he delighteth in his ways. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Can I tell you this morning, you and I, if we are men and women of God, we are to live lives that are filled with order. If our lives are been ordered by the Lord, our lives will be in order. If you see somebody's life out of order, I can tell you this with confidence that they're not been ordered by the Lord. Because God does not operate in chaos. He does not operate in a place of great noise. You will find that the temple that Solomon built, there was no noise at all. I preached that some time ago. There was no noise. Get this. There was no noise on the job site when Solomon built the, built the temple. Every piece was prepared someplace else. There was no noise of hammer. There was no noise of iron when it was been built. It was the per first prefab building that was ever built on planet earth. And it was designed by God because God says, my house is not built with order, with, with, without order. There's got to be structure. There's got to be, listen, and we've gotten really good at being out of order. I will be the first one to tell you, come Holy Spirit, move as you desire to. That's what I want. I want the freedom of the Holy Spirit. But we have seen so much disorder in the house of God that we don't want God to do anything. But can I tell you, there is an order to this thing. And the order is this, that God will always get glory and honor if he's ordering the lives of men and women. The moment you begin to see something be put on somebody else and the attention is drawn to somebody else, they're out of order. I know you wouldn't shout me down this morning, but it's okay. Stay with me. We'll get to some good stuff in a moment. When we see our children, we often hear this. Oh, they look like, they look like. Meaning this, they have put on the resemblance of their father, their mother, or their aunt, or what have you. You know, if you're a Russell, you're going you're gonna to put on the baldness, all right? If you're a man, that's just the way it is. Uh, what I'm saying is, if our lives have been ordered by the Lord, our lives will be in order, meaning we will not be the image of something other than the image of Christ himself. Meaning this, men and women of God, we are required to have Christ-likeness. 1 Corinthians 14 and 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. If there is an order to something, then it means this. There is a standard set that one is to adhere to. Now you all going to get nervous on me, but let me, let me help you breathe just for a moment. This may not be a popular teaching today, but it does still ring true. I'm not here to talk to you about the standard that man has created. I'm not here to talk about legalistic issues. What I am here to tell you that there is a standard for the church of Jesus Christ, and this standard is found in your Bible, and it's clearly laid out for you and I to follow. Isaiah, the Old Testament prophet, he had this to say to Jerusalem. In Isaiah 52, verse number 1, he says, Awake, awake, put on my strength, O Zion. Put on thy beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city. For henceforth thou shalt no more come into thee the uncircumcised or the unclean. Now, you could stop right there, but there's a verse that follows, and it's this. Shake thyself from the dust, arise and sit down, O Jerusalem, loose thyself from the bands of thy neck, O captive daughter of Zion. 
he is clearly telling them, you have been in a place of captivity. You have been in a place of wanting. You've been in a place where God cannot take pleasure in it. So you have to awaken and shake the dust off you. And you have to reclothe yourself with beautiful garments that has been given to you by God. And therefore, what he's simply saying, it's time to get your house in order. Later we see Isaiah takes a personal journey, and in Isaiah 61, and we preached from this not long ago as well, but in Isaiah 61, verse number 10, he gives a personal insight to his own journey. He says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garment of salvation." He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Once again, we see him not only acknowledging, but he is sharing his personal experience uh, where God has reclothed him. He's no longer who he used to be, but now he is walking in a different order. It is the, in another Old Testament passage, we once again find these words in Ecclesiastics chapter 9, verse number 8. Let thy garments, tell your neighbor your garments. Let your garments be always white. Didn't say sometimes white, but be always white and let thy head lack no ointment. Get this, we are not to be satisfied with coming to the house of God and experiencing a little bit of anointing. But you and I, as men and women of God, we are to live under the anointing continually. Ecclesiastics 9 and 8 makes it very clear. Let thy garments be always white. What he's saying is that let your life always be in order. Doesn't matter when nobody's looking, you still be in order. Doesn't matter when the church isn't around or doesn't matter. Always be in order. But also... Let thy head lack no ointment, meaning this, always be under the anointing of God. Notice when David was anointed, he was anointed with a horn of oil, top of his head. When Aaron was anointed, it ran down his beard to the laces of his shoes. Uh, He was anointed. What am I saying is when you and I are men and women of God, we are to walk covered by the anointing. Not not occasionally, but continually. You say, why is that so important? It's because you don't know who you're going to meet when you go to get gas tomorrow. You could be signing somebody that's at the edge of desperation uh, and you're walking around with a blue garment or a red garment instead of a white garment uh, and therefore you don't have no anointing. Can I tell you, the garment is what helps determine the anointing. Uh, You can't just turn this thing on and off like a light switch. Uh, Listen, uh, if you're walking with your garments always white, uh, meaning this, I'm not talking about perfection, uh, but I'm talking about walking in a manner where you're walking sensitive to the Holy Spirit, uh, where God is living and dwelling and your focus is upon him and not on the things of this world, and you're walking after this thing and there's nothing wanting, uh, but your life is in order, he is first, uh, Everything is, comes from that. Uh, and then you're walking with the anointed of God. It doesn't matter if you're in the church house or the jail house or any other house. Uh, can I tell you the anointing uh, is able to break the yokes of bondage. In my Bible, it does not say you have to wait till church time, Sunday morning, 1030 to get free. No. What I'm saying is that when somebody comes in contact with the church, uh, which is a man of God and a woman of God, uh, I don't care if they're in a crack house. Uh, I don't care if they're a house of prostitution. 
situation, I don't care where they are, if they come in contact with somebody that's got the anointing, can I tell you, devils have to go. And can I tell you this morning, we've got devils comfortable sitting in the time of worship because we don't have on the right garment, nor do we have any anointing on our head. Help me, Jesus. We can examine these passages and see that not only is there a standard set, but there is an expectation for us to live according to this standard continually. I want to be very clear this morning. Just because you're you and altogether perfect and lovely and beautiful does not mean God is going to lower his standard for you. He's going to require of you and of me the same thing he's required of every generation before us. I'm sorry, mommy told you, daddy told you, husband told you, wife told you, it all revolved around you, it don't revolve around you. Come back tonight, we'll heal you from that statement, all right? So, but listen, we're in a place today, we're bringing us to this truth as men and women of faith, we are expected to be clothed in the garments of our father's house. Notice, the, if you was to read in the Gospel of Luke, there's a, there's a passage most of you are familiar with. It's often referred to as the prodigal son. Anybody remember that story in your Bible? The first thing that is dealt with is identity. When he was yet a great way off, the father ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And then he said this. Anybody know what he said? Bring forth... The best robe. He was going to deal with the identity. Because this boy was coming saying, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And he said, listen, let's let's just get this thing. You're here now. We're going to clothe you. We're going to get this identity that you're not a servant. You're a son. I got to clothe you so you know who you are. Because he said, there's something... There's something in my closet that you don't know that I have. I didn't give you everything. I still have some things that's ordained for you. Hear me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one says, Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight. Can I tell you right there? It tells me this. He's not going to do everything for you. We have to decide. It says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Hear me. You also find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, wherefore laying aside all malice and all gall and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speaking as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Can I tell you, there can be no growth unless there is desire. Why is it that we have people in the church for 50 years and they're still on milk? Because they've never had a desire. And people standing in places of leadership have allowed it to happen. Listen, I don't care if my grandbabies throw up on me. But I'm tired of 50-year-old Christians throwing up on me. People serve God 25 years and oh, we've been in this way 25 years. You've been in the way all right, puking on everybody because you have no desire. 
Listen. Let's be honest. I desire a lot of things. But desire doesn't just make it happen. It takes hard work. It takes dedication. It takes sleepless nights. It takes saying no to something so you can say yes to this. Well, you all sleep and listen. One o'clock this morning, I was still praying. I don't say that to brag, but it was saying I, I played with grandbabies all day yesterday. I had, to, I had to get my mind right. Sometimes it takes a long time to get this mind right. Hear me. Do whatever you got to do. Because I desire for God to fill this house, but not just this house, but to fill your life, to fill your families. Listen, this isn't about just something to do, but this is a life that we live. Notice 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9 says, You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. But in order for there to be a new garment put on, please hear me, there must first be an old garment removed. I know I'm giving you a lot of scriptures this morning, but it's important that you hear what God says, not what I say. In Galatians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, you would find this statement. In putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. But then in chapter 3 of Galatians, verses 1 through 9, you'd read these words. Seek those things which are above. But it goes on a little further and it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, idolatry, and a, a, a evil, consumption, all these things. Let them not be named among you. But now you also put off these things. This really gets a little close to home for us. Put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, and filthy communication out of your mouth. Listen, I was so disturbed this week. I was flipping through YouTube, and I seen a preacher, and I'll put that in quotation, and he was talking about, he was getting very, very off, uh, off on left field, but he was talking about Jesus uh, wasn't his really name, but it was uh, Yahweh, and that we've, through tr interpretation and translation, we, we, we're, we're praying to somebody that don't even exist, and it gets into all this crazy stuff, but the whole time he was trying to validate his point, he was using curse words uh, every five or six, and I'm like, and here he is, guys, a following, and he thinks he's something. Can I tell you, I, I, we are in a place right now where there is people so deceived because they they think I can put on whatever and just keep putting on layers and putting on layers. Listen, you cannot walk with the anointing of God, the power of God, and be a part of the kingdom of God unless you put off some old garments. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10 through 17 says, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge. How many knows if you're going to be renewed in knowledge, you're going to have to do something, study to show yourself approved. After the image of him that created him. You're not supposed to have the knowledge of men. You're supposed to have the knowledge of God. You know what's got us in trouble is we have the knowledge of men instead of the knowledge of God. We want to listen to the Harvard professor. I'm not, I'm not against that uh, the, in certain areas, but I'm going to tell you something. The ultimate authority is still Jesus Christ. It says go on a little further. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and, and forgiving one another. And above all these things, put on charity. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. 
But then verse 16 says, let the word of God dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How can it dwell unless you first put it in? We see clearly the instructions given to us. Our father desires for us to walk clothed in the garments that he himself wears. May I be so bold this morning and ask, when was the last time? When was the last time you was clothed in the garment of humility? When was the last time that you was clothed in the garment of service? When was the last time that you was clothed in the garment of compassion? And when was the last time you was clothed in the garment of spiritual authority? These are just a few. Oh, but preacher, church, no more excuses. The world around us is dying and going to hell. We're decaying. People are stepping into eternity lost without knowing Jesus, and they live next door. And we go to church every Sunday. While we sit unmoved by the headlines of our days, we think, oh, it's going to continue as it is. But our house is out of order. Can I tell you, he told those that was present on a particular day, he said, don't tell me that four months from now harvest will be ready. He says, look upon the fields today. They're white with harvest now. Don't tell me we're going to reach the lost five years from now. No, well, if we're not reaching them now, we're not going to reach them then. We've got to get our house in order. We must return to the Father's house and allow him to reclothe us. The preacher, I shared this quote a couple of days ago and it stuck with me. Excuses are merely nails used to build a house of failure. Let me say it again. Excuses are merely nails that are used to build a house of failure. They used to sing the song, excuses, excuses, you hear them every day, how the devil, he will supply them if church, you stay away. In the summertime, it's too hot. In the winter, it's too cold. In the springtime, when the weather's just right, you find someplace else to go. Well, it's up to the mountain or down to the beach or just to visit some old friend or to just stay home and kind of relax and hope some of the kinfolk start dropping in. Can I tell you, you're building a house of failure. Because while you're doing that, everything else is more important. And what you're doing in moderation, your children have no desire for. And when they're 18 years old, the world has them. And they sit in church every Sunday. But they have no desire for a man named Jesus. Because you built. And you can blame it on the preacher. You can blame it on the Sunday school teacher. But I don't build your house. Because you built a house a failure. Now, I, I know this isn't, this isn't uplifting maybe for you, but can I tell you, sometimes we have to have correction. We are currently dropping a generation. God has not called us or equipped us to build a house of failure, but he has called us to walk in the power of his Holy Spirit. You and I today need to understand it's not enough about having a facade. Last night, sitting at my kitchen table, after this was brought and I started leafing through this, and I thought this was kind of ironic on the back of this, it says, Phil preached. 
120 West 25th Street, July 26, 1969, Psalms 27, the Lord is my light. I thought, okay. So I said, what else is in this thing? Phil Russell sat in as assistant pastor at 25th Street Church of God on July the 10th, 1971. I thought that was interesting. And I got all kinds of things in here. One that got me was this, a thought. Once in a home, a little girl picked up a book and said, Mama, whose book is this? The mother smiled and said, that is God's book. The little girl paused and looked at her mom and said, let's give it back because we never use it. I don't know if my daddy ever preached that or not, but it was a thought. I'm sure on Sunday morning, the local church thought that mama and that house was what it was supposed to be. But there was a little girl that saw what it truly was. It's not enough to pretend that it's in order. It's time to have it in order. Why? If you haven't noticed, our culture, our world, the drumbeats of war are ever increasing. The winds of uncertainty are blowing greater than they've blown since World War II. The hatred, the selfishness of men is pushing us and every other nation to a point of no return. There are those that is, as bizarre as it sounds, there are those today that is desiring for someone to make the first move. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. And it does not matter what type of facade we have. But Titus was left on the island, and Paul said this, you must set in order that which is wanting. The events of our day is getting ready to cause men to begin to wail and to weep. They will no longer keep running to the things that they're running to, but they are going to be searching for something and someplace to go. And that's why I believe the Lord is calling us to a place of order at the beginning of this year. Listen, I'm not asking you to live to my personal desire or my personal conviction. That's not what this is about today. We are instructed in Scripture that we are to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. We are to walk upright before God and before men. Nowhere in does that say you have to walk in a manner to please your pastor or any other individual for that matter. But notice with me, 
It is in this moment that we must experience what Isaiah experienced. You will find that if you was to read the first five, ver- uh, five chapters in Isaiah, you will find that he said this often. Woe is you, woe is you, woe is you. But when you get to Isaiah chapter number six in the year that King Uzziah died and he saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple, he caught a glimpse into the heavenlies and he simply said that he saw these uh, seaphrams, uh, they had six wings and, and twine did cover their face and twine did cover their feet and, and one cried unto the other and said, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts and the whole earth is full of his glory and it was so powerful that he caught a glimpse and the post of the doors moved at the voice of him that cried and the house was filled with smoke. It wasn't until he saw that, when he saw God high and lifted up and saw him for who he was, that then his language changed because in verse 5 he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips. And notice as he begins to cry out, uh, then we find that there was one of the Sephrams went and took a coal in his hand uh, with, a, with some tongs from the altar, and he brought and placed them on his mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched thy lips, and thy iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. What am I saying this morning? It is then and only then that Isaiah, he heard the voice of the Lord the second time in this passage that we're reading. And it says, and he says, who will go for us? And immediately Isaiah says, I will go. Send me. And it was then that he received a commission. He said this, go and tell. That's what the Lord told him. What does all of that mean? It means this. Isaiah, he saw, he heard, he repented, he enlisted, and then he was commissioned. But there had to be a taking off of old garments and putting on of new. What I'm saying to you and I this morning is this. I believe God is wanting to commission us in this very moment of time. But the question is, will we allow him to? You see, Paul, as he commissioned Titus. He said, Titus, there's, there's some good things going, but however, there's some things that's not done. I will say this. There is some things going. There's some good things going. It's exciting. It's things that we can celebrate. But at the same time, there are things that are wanting. What's that mean, preacher? The things that are wanting is the things that have yet to be set in order. Do you know we have a generation today that doesn't know some of the basic fundamentals? They don't don't know that it's not about them, but it's about him. They're pure in heart, but we failed to disciple, train, and teach, excuse me, and develop a generation. There's things that's wanting. But there's also things that are wanting in leadership as well. But he simply said this, there's a, Titus, you can't just put anybody in there, but they got to be people that meet a standard. They got to meet a criteria. Listen, one of the worst things in the world you can do in business or in ministry is just to fill a position because you need a position filled. And we have done that in the church. 
We just start plugging people in, plugging people in. Listen, we do nobody a service. We have no problem with having standards in every area of our life except when it comes to our faith. You can go to your local McDonald's, apply for a job, they'll give you a job. They're going to give you a standard. They're going to say, show up, have a pair of black shoes on, a pair of black pants, and wear this shirt and wear this hat. You have no problem doing that. You can go work at a local factory, go to Honda or whatever. They're going to give you a uniform. Try showing up in your blue jeans and a t-shirt. Let me know how well that works for you. They're going to send you home because you didn't meet their standard. And here's the deal. When you accepted the job or the position, you agreed to their standard. You said, I'm okay with this. I will live up to that. God's gave us a standard. Be holy. Be set apart. It's not hard. It's not a list of do's and don'ts per se. People want to interpret it that way. God has never taken anything out of my life that he didn't replace it with something better. If God starts dealing on you to get rid of something, get rid of it because he's got something better to put in. Can I tell you? You say, how do you know that? Is Listen, this word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Think about it. This, this word hadn't made it to a platform for 50-something years. But today, it's still as good and fresh as it was then. It's battered. It's torn. It's, it is what it is. But at the same time, it's still as powerful and alive as it's ever been. Please hear me today. Titus set some things in order. There's some things wanting. I'm not here to judge anybody. But I believe we have to do what others have done before us and say this, search me, O Lord. I'm not asking you to do anything other than say, Lord, search me. And if there's an area in your life that is wanting, I think we need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring order to it. And if he will... If you'll allow him to, because he desires to, you will begin to walk with favor and blessing. And where the favor of the Lord is and the blessing of the Lord is, there is the anointing. And you have no problem with walking with your garments white and with ointment upon your head. This generation doesn't need me to preach good. They need me to be anointed. They don't need me to be in the latest and greatest of fads. No, they need me to be anointed. I can't be anointed unless I have white garments on. I can't have, the, I can't have garments of, that are pleasing to the Father unless I allow him to clothe me. Isaiah simply said this. He said, I'm going to rejoice because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. Listen. You and I have got to allow the Holy Spirit of God and his word just to reclothe us. Can I tell you, when he clothes us, you don't have to walk around and make business cards every six months because you've changed your position. You don't have to tell the world who you are. The world will know who you are. Can I tell you that son in the story of, as they come to the music this morning, that we reference as the prodigal son, 
He was lost. He wasted everything that he had. But yet when he got home and his father put that garment on him, when he went back down to the local city market, he didn't have to tell anybody who he belonged to because they knew who he belonged to because of the colors that was in his garment. Listen, when you got on the garment of God, you don't have to tell anybody who you are. In the natural, I don't have to tell a lot of people around this town who I am. They just look at me and say, you're Russell. Now, I don't like the fact that they know me by that, but it's a simple fact is they, they know my hair, and they say, y'all look alike, and all of this, or, you know, you look, or you walk the same way, or whatever, you know. They, it, it's like, you're Russell? It's like, yeah, I've heard it all. But it's because of the traits of my family. I guess our DNA line's really strong, you know. But at the same time, what if people could start saying that about us spiritually? We know who you belong to. We know who you belong to. I had a dear friend who's in heaven now. He, he said, when I first started out, he said, I knew I wanted to do something for the Lord. And he said, so he said, I, I made me up some flyers and made me up some business cards. Minister of music. And he said, then I realized I couldn't sing all that well. He said, so I made me some new cards. Evangelist. He said, I did that for a little bit. And then he said, then I realized I literally wasn't an evangelist. I was more as a teacher. So he said, I had to make me some new signs again. He said, I just kept trying to, listen, it's not about any of those things. It's simply about just knowing that he loves us. And he has some garments for us today. And in 2023, the church in America needs to be set in order. When I talk about order, I'm not talking about ruling with an iron fist of saying this, 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 this. No, we're talking about things set in order according to the scripture where our lives are a reflection of Christ's likeness. That means when they see you smiling in here and everything is wonderful, they better see that same thing out there. been disrespectful and wearing your feelings on your sleeve and blowing up at every little thing I question how much Christ you really have oh now you're judging preacher no listen I've just been very real and honest with you there's been a lot of times I'd say Lord if you look away I'll put flesh on for five minutes but I can't do that Please hear me. I have to choose. You have to choose to live a life of order. I'm not representing me. Can I remind you that we're dead in Christ? Yet we live. I've been bought with a price. I belong to another. It means this. I'm not, I don't have any rights to me. When I said I'm yours, he came in. I relinquished all authority. Now I have to decide continually. Lord, clothe me today. Let my life be in order today. How do you know this is a real issue? Can I be very blunt and honest with you today? It's because your life speaks for itself. My life speaks for itself. Your children tell on you. Your grandchildren tell on you. 
If a man or woman of God is really in order, their children's going to be all in order. I can tell the climate of your home by the actions of your children, your grandchildren, the people that you do life with. Listen. What we give birth to in private is what's manifested in the public. Our lives. I know I talk about my grandkids a lot, but I, that's what you do when you're a grandpa, right? But you know, I, Jackson's not perfect, but he's pretty close. He's perfect when he's with Papa. I don't know what the rest of her problems is, but you know, he's, you know, but he's. He'll sit in my arm and he'll sit and he, he, I got him drinking coffee now. His coffee's chocolate milk, but it's okay. It's coffee. So he sits and he sips his coffee with me and he thinks he's just hot stuff. And he goes, ah, ah. well, it has nothing to do with the message. I just thought I'd share you that, but, but he'll sit on the arm of the couch with me and we'll. Will listen to the word of God be preached. Or he'll sit and drink his coffee with me and we'll listen to worship music. And I say, just praise Jesus with me. And we, we do that. And now he's playing his drums and he's singing as he's playing and driving mom and dad crazy. And I love it because pianos and all, if it's a noise thing, he, he needs it, okay? I say that to say this is because at a little over a year and a half old of age now instilling in him and it's not just me but it's all of his grandparents and his his household and it's he's hearing worship continually he's hearing the word of God continually it's it's setting the stage is he going to make mistakes yeah will we navigate through them absolutely do we have a standard that you have to be perfection? No. Just saying you have to love Jesus. It's not an option. You've got to love Jesus. Why so dogmatic about that is because it is the only way that we can live and have life. Listen. The world is getting them every day, every day, every day, every day. We could not entrust the training of this generation to the hands of others. You say, is it really that bad? I'm going to leave you with this. It was done in sarcasm, but at the same time it was done just to see how far it would go. But there was a particular state senator this past week that filed an amendment that simply said this because of conservatives and because of some church leaders that was speaking against a lot of the radical transgender narrative and alternate lifestyle. The state senator attached a, an amendment to a bill and was simply saying this no child under the age of 19 years old can go to any type of gathering where there's any sort of indoctrination whatsoever that would take place the whole purpose was that was saying this if you can't allow us to do what we want and indoctrinate and teach how we want then your kids until they're 19 years old can never go to a vacation bible school they can never go to a church youth camp can I tell you, this is the world in which we live. And you think that we're going to sit by 
and be out of order and defeat that kind of garbage. Here's the thing that I've come to understand after all these years, and I'm going to leave you with this. While the church is so divided by denominations and personal opinions and ideals, the kingdom of darkness is united for its cause. And when something is united, there is nothing that can stop it outside of the hand of God. If you and I would get united for the main thing, the kingdom, there is nothing that can stop us. Don't matter how powerful hell tries to present itself, it's already been defeated if we walk at the power and the anointing of God. So my call today is this. Let us get our house in order. God, let this house be in order. Let this house be in order. Let us decrease so he can increase. I pray that once again the church in America will have the aroma of the book of Acts church. This morning as we're standing all over the house. This word here most of you would just smell like a musty old barn but it smells like my father I left it laying on my desk and I opened my door in my office this morning I could smell it when I walked in because I started penetrating that old barn smell and I said daddy's with me this morning see I want us to walk in garments spiritually in such a manner where that aroma just gets all over us. I don't care how much they don't like it. Let me smell like an old barn. Why? Because his word is life. His word is liberty. His word is freedom. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? My life's not in order. My marriage isn't in order. My, my finances isn't in order. My my job situation isn't in order. My personal walk with the Lord, I'm trying the best I can, but I know it's not in order. I said, I'm not here to judge anybody. But here's how it gets in order. It's just like Isaiah, he says, woe is me. Oh, Lord, touch me. Lord, you teach me. It all begins at the foot of the cross and saying, God, I need you. So this morning, nobody looking around, just reverencing the house of the Lord this morning for a moment. I wonder if there's anybody under the sound of my voice today that would say, you know what, there's some things that's wanted in my life. There's some things undone in my life. I'm not going to ask you what they are this morning. But you just simply acknowledge and say, you know what? I need the Lord. I want things to be different. I want to walk with the anointing. I want to walk with his favor. I want to walk in a manner where I can be effectively used for the kingdom. I want to be 
what he's calling me to be. Did you say that there's, I know there's some things that are wanting in my life. I want you to just lift your hand up and you can put it right back down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Hands all over this building. Hallelujah. Lord, we stand in your presence this morning. Lord, we stand knowing today that we need you. Oh, how we need you. Lord, we need you as individuals. We need you as families. We need you as a church family. Lord, we also need you as a nation. Oh, God. I pray this morning. Oh, I pray this morning that your word has went deep into our hearts. For Lord, I know that there's more. Oh, there's more. Oh, we stand in your presence. Church, can you just begin to pray this morning? Ah, just lift your voice this morning. Can you just pray this morning? Let him hear us this morning. If you lifted your hands this morning as they're praying, if you feel that little tug of the Holy Spirit, would you just slip out of your seat and come and join me in the front of this building? I want to pray specifically for you today. I want you to just come. If you lifted your hands, it's nothing to be ashamed of. If you lifted your hands this morning, we're just going to stand across the front of this building. I want to pray with you this morning. Oh, God. Oh, God. Help us, Lord. Help order to be restored. Oh, God, we give you praise and glory today. Father, we love you this morning. We thank you for our sister today. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that there would just be just a refreshing of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray today, Lord, that there would just be a, just an overwhelmingness of your love just settle down upon her today. Lord, as we stand together, Lord, we just speak words of life. We make a declaration today, Lord, that there is a realigning and there's a reclothing taking place, Lord, personally and in her family and every avenue of her life today. Lord, I thank you for doing the work today that we're not able to do. But Lord, when we simply give you our yes, you begin to do everything else. And today, Lord, we're just simply saying yes. Yes, Lord. Lord, I pray for strength. I pray for encouragement. Lord, I pray for the weight to be lifted. Lord, it says that when we come unto you that, and cast our cares upon you, that your burden is light, your yoke is easy. Today, Father, I pray that she would just feel the lifting today. Lord, we just speak words of life and words of encouragement over. Lord, freshness of the Holy Spirit. Jesus mighty name Jesus mighty name Jesus mighty name Lord we stand before you today corporately
Lord, we're asking you to give us wisdom, give us knowledge, give us understanding as the bride of Christ. Help us, Lord, to be clothed in that which you have ordained for us to wear in this season. Lord, I pray for every man, every woman, every boy, every girl that's under the sound of our voice today. Lord, I pray that there would just be a sense of urgency in our spirit knowing this, that there's a harvest that is waiting. So, Lord, the areas in our lives that need to be reprioritized, help us to reprioritize them. Lord, I pray that the scales would fall from our spiritual eyes, that we would see our rightful place and, and in the avenues and the areas in which we should be laboring. Lord, help us to break free from every spirit of intimidation or every distraction that would try to come along and keep us from being what you've called us to be. So today, Lord, I pray. I pray for health and strength to be granted to your people physical strength, spiritual strength, health and wholeness to come to them, mind, soul, and body. And Lord, as we go from this house today, let us not go from your presence. But Lord, our prayer is this. Go before us. Go with us. Let fresh anointing fall upon us. Help us to be your hands and feet. Lord, I pray you'd bless them with business this week. Lord, bless them in their endeavors. Keep their families safe. Lord, let them walk with the strength of the Holy Spirit. Bring us back tonight at 6 o'clock at the respected time. And Lord, we ask you to have your will and your way in the service tonight. In Jesus' name. And the church says, Pastor Amen. Jay, I just want to thank you for watching the service with us today and being a part of it. We ask that you stay in touch with us. Follow us on all of our social media platforms. And we'll see you again soon. We love you. So does God.